Many of you know me. My name is Paul. I've got two beautiful little girls. And I have, sorry fellas, the most incredible and amazing wife. Her name's Katie. I'm sure many of you know her as well. I am what you call a blessed man, and I know it. And uh, some exciting news for the McMunns is our family's growing. And no, I'm not announcing another child. But we did have a new addition to the family. The new addition is a used black domestic minivan. (laughs) Proud owner of a minivan. Something that as a young man I said I would never do is buy a minivan. Kind of funny how, you know, you, you just think you know what's going to be important in life, you know, in your later years. And you kind of look ahead and you think you have a clue. You don't have a clue. I've crossed over. Yes, I, I am a proud owner of a minivan as a father. Pretty funny. Um, but definitely a happy man and a blessed man. It's funny when you look back and you, you kind of think you have an idea of what life's going to look like. And, and here I am. And, you know, maybe, maybe you're like me. Maybe you go through life and you just sort of put your head down and you, you focus on what's at hand and you keep pushing and striving for what's next and you work hard and you almost, in a way, you kind of forget where you came from and you can almost take for granted the things that you have in life and the goodness of God. And when I pause and consider where I am today, I am overwhelmed at the goodness of God. I'm overwhelmed at the blessing of God in my life. But it is very easy for us to take that for granted, isn't it? It's very easy for us to almost just um, not pay attention or just be so focused on the circumstance or what is that we, we sort of don't recall or the, the gratefulness for our situation is just sort of somewhat faded in the past. And I'm somebody that's has always been quite goal orientated. There was a time in my life where if you were to chat with me, I would always be up for a conversation around what's your five-year plan? You know, what's your goal? It was pretty good when I first got married. Um, When we had an evening free and I would come home, I would ask my wife, you know, after we had dinner, you know, what's your goals for tonight? That's me, right? You know, of course I had things that I wanted to do and accomplish. And she just looked at me like I was nuts. (laughs) But I'm someone that's always lived with goals. And goals are a good thing, but I think for us sometimes, uh, we can forget the importance of being present and the importance of being grateful for where we are if we're just pushing for what's ahead. And I want to dive into some scripture this morning and look at some things, but one of the things that I really want to dive into and get deep on is the importance of gratefulness and its link for us to giving. So God actually has called us to be grateful givers. And it's important that we take the time to pause and consider just how good we have it as believers. You know, one of the things that we can control is our attitude. And gratefulness is an attitude. We can control it. We can all control our attitudes. Unless, of course, you have children under the age of three then they sort of dictate and control your attitude. But gratefulness is an attitude. It's a choice. Regardless of circumstance or where we're at in life, we have things we can be grateful for. And gratefulness is powerful. Gratefulness actually can bring change in our life. And this thing for me is that gratefulness actually is something that spurs us into a place of generosity And if we pause and consider, there's one thing that we all have in common if, if you call yourself a believer today and something that we can all be grateful for. And it's the highest priority. It's the top of the list. And his name is Jesus. 
I'm going to take some time and talk about it. How can we not when, we're not when we're looking at gratefulness? How can we not pause and consider Jesus? So what's the reality of the story? Who is Jesus for us? Well, let's, let's remind ourselves. Part of being grateful is actually reminding ourselves of where we came from and why we're here today. God, our Father in heaven, the creator of heaven and earth, created you and I. He created us with the intention of close personal and intimate relationship. That is our design. That is what he wanted. He gave us free will, right? We love free will because we get to make decisions in life about it. Uh, we get to decide who we want to be or what we want to do. You know, we make good decisions and we make bad decisions, but how many of you love the fact that you get free will? A few of you. All right. Okay. <laughs> The amazing thing when it comes to free will is that we get to choose relationship with God or not as well. We have this choice. And I think it's brilliant. If those of you that have kids, can you imagine what the love with your child would look like if your kid was forced to love you? If they actually just didn't have an option? It really wouldn't mean that much. But you know what it's like. When your kid says, I love you, you know what it's like when they come up and they give you a hug and they just, they pour out their love. They're choosing you. God is so brilliant. He gave us in the same way, this option to choose him. He created us in a way that actually love wasn't forced. He didn't make us robots, but he made a way for us to choose him. And we're not forced. We're free to do it. So this is who we are. We're created. But because there's choice, we know that actually, sometimes we make bad decisions. Everybody that's made a bad decision, raise your hand. Some of you aren't telling the truth. We should all raise our hands. Because the reality is, is the scripture teaches us that we all fall short. That we all sin. That we all make these mistakes. And the reality is, is that it separates us from God. It keeps us at distance. God never intended that. Separation from God is not good. It's so important that we see restoration with our creator, that we get back to relationship as we heard even this morning. And it's an invitation. God wants relationship. Why? Because it's in relationship that we find out not only who he is, but who we are. And when we find out who we are, we find out why we're here and what the purpose is for our lives. You know, we got to go to the manual. We got to go to the Bible and look at, well, God, who have you created me to be? And, and we find it in relationship with him. You know, you can go and, you know, work on your smartphone and try and figure it out. But how many of you know that if you actually take time to look at the manual, you'll get a much better understanding of how it works? It's the same. We got to go to our creator to find out who we are and what God has for us. And he wants relationship. We know that actually all humanity is searching for this. Um, Blaise Pascal wrote it this, this way in 1672. He says that there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God the creator made known through Jesus Christ. People in life are always trying to fill that hole, whether it's stuff, whether it's relationships, whether it's uh, titles, whether it's accomplishments, whether it's acceptance. We're trying to fill it. But the only thing that fills that is a connection with our creator. This is good news, isn't it? So how does Jesus fit in? Well, God wants that restoration. So he sent Jesus to live like you and I, to face sin. And he overcame it and he took it to the cross. 
He took all sin to the cross for us. And the scripture is clear that what he did on the cross is for you and I. In 1 Peter 2, 24, it says that we have salvation through him. And it says it this way, that he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, we've been healed. For you were strayed like sheep, but now return to the shepherd and over, the overseer of your souls. Return to relationship. You see, he carried sin and he conquered it on the cross for us. And if you believe that Jesus went to the cross for you, we have salvation. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe it in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It says that it's with your heart that we believe and are justified and it's with our mouth that we confess. This means that we don't earn it, you can't achieve it, and you probably don't deserve it. But guess what? God gives it as a free gift. He gave. So when we look at the context of things like generosity, it starts from a revelation that he first gave to us. He gave to us. When we receive that, gratitude floods in. It pours in. Gratitude floods in. We've been talking a lot, even in our prayer meeting, referencing this piece of rivers. Look at what it says about the love of God in Romans 5, 5. It says that hope doesn't disappoint. It says hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. If you're thirsty for God, he doesn't just give you a small portion. I have uh, been very close with my grandmother who's here today. It's a blessing to have you here, Grandma. And I spent a lot of time over at her home and my other grandparents' homes. And in their home, if we were thirsty, they always had these little tiny cups of water. We've had some fun over this over the year. And if I was thirsty, I remember as a teenager, I would get thirsty. And it was a little cup. I'd have to fill it up five, six, seven, eight times. Finally, you just grab a vase and you fill the vase up with water. But you see, God's love for us isn't a small cup. He doesn't give you a small portion. It's unending. His love pours out from heaven. The scripture says it pours out like a mighty river, relentless, powerful, and unending. Do yourself a favor. This afternoon, if you have some free time, go down to the Nanaimo River. Or take a drive and go to the Qualicum Falls. Or, you know what, just go to Bowen Park. It's nice and close. And experience the sheer power and awe of a mighty rushing river because that is the love of God. And if standing there, seeing it with your eyes and hearing it with your ears isn't enough, go and stand in the middle and tell me if it impacts you. Don't actually do that. I promise you're going to get wet. I promise it's going to infiltrate your life and impact you in a radical way. It's actually probably pretty dangerous if you do it at the river, so don't. But you get what I mean. The love of God pours out. It doesn't end, and it cleanses us. It washes us. Whatever your circumstance is, allow the love of God to pour in. This is what we get in relationship. And you know what happens is as, as we reconnect and are reminded of what comes from the Father in relationship— Gratitude overwhelms us. It overflows. We become so grateful for what he's done for us. Amen? Are you there? Gratefulness is key. Gratefulness is significant. Gratefulness can actually change our circumstance. 
And it's so important that when we look at generosity, that we look at it from the context of gratefulness. Because God's called us to be grateful givers, and there's an incredible link between gratefulness and giving. It's, um, there's a gentleman that's done some studying on the significance of gratitude, and he said it this way. He said, gratitude is more than a pleasant feeling. It is also motivating. Gratitude serves as a key link between receiving and giving. It moves recipients to share and increase the very good that they have received. We should be inspired to give because he first gave his son. We should be inspired and encouraged to be givers. Even Jesus said it when he sent out the disciples, freely you have received, now freely give. Just as we've received love, we know that the word teaches us that people will know that we are Christians and believers because of what? Love. The very thing that we should be welling up with and overflowing with. But it comes from this piece of generosity. And God's called us to live a lifestyle of generosity. It isn't just a one-time event. It isn't just something that we did once and now we're good. It's actually something that God has for us on a regular, consistent basis. And for us, when gratefulness is fresh, when gratefulness is current and it's alive and well in our hearts, it becomes a lifestyle. You see, yesterday's gratefulness isn't going to help you with today's generosity. You need gratefulness for today. That's why we should start our day by giving thanks to God. That's why the scripture says that we enter into his courts with praise. That's why we sing that song from however many years ago. Rejoice in the Lord always. Always. Not when it feels good. Not when circumstance is great. It says always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Gratitude is a daily thing for us. Amen? So if you're here, we can look at generosity. If you're not here, I want to encourage you, take some time. Reflect on where you're at. Like I referenced even earlier, reflect on where you're at and how you got here and in the goodness of God. I promise if you start listing out the things that you're grateful for, generosity is going to, or gratefulness is going to well up. And it does spur you to this piece of generosity. So let's look at a scripture. It says in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and we're going to spend a bit of time camping here. It says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, sometimes, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. It goes on and says, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. He has called us to be generous givers. And he's called it to be something we do out of a position of gratefulness. Grateful givers. So what are four truths for us or four things that we can look at 
for grateful givers. What does it say when we read this scripture? I'm going to pull four things out. We could probably spend a very long time looking at the things that I have here and more. So I'm scratching the surface. But the first one that I see for grateful givers is this when I read this scripture, that God's called us to be generous in every way. Every way. Verse 8 says, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you can abound in every good work. It says you'll be enriched in every way to be generous on every occasion. Do you know that God wants to bless you? Some of you maybe don't believe that today. God wants to bless you. That is part of our created design is that we get to experience and walk in the blessing and the favor of God and it is good. That is his plan for your life. Take a moment, turn to somebody and tell them like you mean it. God wants to bless you. Did you mean it? Did you mean it? Jeremiah 29 says it this way, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. When God declares something, it is. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. This is part of our promise because of Christ. Honestly, God's plan is to bless you. And this is how it works. At salvation, when we choose Jesus as Lord and Savior, we then step in to the blessing and favor of God and that river pours out. The blessing and favor pours out from heaven. And he brings us into his kingdom. He takes us out of the kingdom of darkness. He brings us into the kingdom of light. We sang about it even today. The kingdom of God, we come into this place. And yes, in his kingdom, God has blessing and favor for you. But he doesn't just want to give you blessing and favor. It comes with purpose. God also wants you to enjoy it, but it comes with purpose. And the purpose is this, that we would be a blessing to others. That we would use what God has blessed us with to bless others. And through that very blessing, people's eyes and ears turn back to God. And the purpose of it all is to extend this kingdom. And when we come into his kingdom... We put on the mind of Christ. We start to think like Jesus and we go, we have purpose. Remember, we find purpose in his kingdom and the purpose is for you and I to extend it. To see more and more people get restored to this relationship with God. That is what he has for us. That is our purpose. And yes, generosity means I'm talking about money. But I'm not only talking about money. This says generous in every way. That means that I'm talking about more than just finances. We are talking about our time, our resources, our skills, our abilities, our talents. God wants us to be generous with all these things. I can go further. I can make it even simpler for some of you. He wants you to be generous with your smiles. Generous with your compliments, generous with your encouragement, generous with your praise, generous with your mercy, generous with your apologies, and generous in the way you serve others. He's called us to be a generous people. Amen? God wants to set you up to be generous. Did you know that? He wants to set you up. He's going to give you opportunity. 
Generosity for us is a kingdom value. When we come into the kingdom, we learn about what's important to God. We learn about how are we going to do what God has planned. You know, we, we talk about, and we've been looking at vision and values, and we talk about vision for us as a community, that, that God's called us to be a gathering, healing, training, sending church, and that our vision is to know Jesus and to make him known. And values is how we're going to get there. Vision is where we're going, and values is how we're going to get there. That's why we spent so much time over this last while talking at and looking about values. And generosity is one of our values. It's the way in which God wants to extend his kingdom. That is why generosity is so key. But we need to have a gratitude for Jesus fresh in our hearts if we're going to walk out a generous lifestyle. Gratitude needs to be generous. And when gratitude needs to be fresh, when gratitude is fresh, generosity just pours out. It comes natural for us. And we're generous in every way. So what else do I see? What's the second thing that I want to reference? Grateful givers. Well, grateful givers give back to God. It's actually our first response. As we receive, we give. And we look at this as a kingdom principle. And that principle is tithing. It's giving back to God for his purposes, for the extension of his kingdom. And it positions us for what God wants to do through us. It positions our lives. And it demonstrates actually that kingdom priorities are first in our lives. That's what it's for. This isn't about legalism. The principle of tithing, when we look at it, it started before the law and it carried on after. And when we look at how, how that happens in scripture, you see the significance and the importance of it because we know that God's plan is to make himself known through the church. The extension of his kingdom is through it and it's financed. It takes money to extend the kingdom. It does. It's a tool that God has. Even if you're reading your, through the 2020 challenge, you would have read um, in Genesis 28, 22, where it references Jacob doing this. And it says, he says that of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. For us, we tithe like Jacob did out of a reverence for God, out of a respect for him, out of honor. We give because he first gave. And if we want to see the kingdom extended... It's going to take us giving back to his purposes. The word teaches us in Malachi 3 that where we give back to in this way is the storehouse. And the storehouse is referring to the place that you are loved. It's where you're fed. It's where you have spiritual oversight. That place is your local church. And if it's Oceanside, wonderful. So glad that you're here with us. If you're visiting us, maybe your storehouse is somewhere else. But the storehouse is the place that we give back to. And God takes those finances and he uses them to extend the kingdom in this city. And the primary role of this is actually to help cover the cost of those that work in ministry. We have staff and we afford their existence so that, so that we can carry on uh, to extend the kingdom. It comes through what we give and it's our role, yours and mine, to give in to God's purposes so that they're looked after. How many of you want our staff to be looked after? If we have more resources, we have more ability to grow what we do and more people can dedicate full time their time and attention to extending the kingdom. It's amazing. This is his plan. This is his purposes. 
So when we look through this, we see the significance of what God wants to do. And I find it really interesting when we talk about um, giving back to God that a lot of folks will try and find an angle to how they can kind of avoid it or not really recognize that. And I, and I, I want to assure you that for us, that as an eldership team, that we don't look at the finances of who's giving and who isn't. We actually don't know. So this isn't a piece of us uh, looking at your story and going, oh, we need people to give. No, you guys are a generous church. But it is important that we're reminded of why we're generous and what God does with it. And this is why we're touching on this. But sometimes one of the angles that often comes is, well, Jesus fulfilled the law and therefore tithing no longer is. And we don't really read about it in the New Testament. Those are two often positions that I hear in conversation. And and it's true that um, with Jesus, we're under a new covenant. We know that, that he fulfilled the law. We know that we are under grace. How many of you are so happy that we are under grace? Man, I'm happy we are under grace. You know, it's, it's incredible when we, look at, when we look at Scripture and we see what the covenant of grace looks like. But one of the things that's so exposed in the New Testament and with Jesus is that Jesus showed us that actually the covenant of grace is a higher standard. When he looked at the law and he looked at things like murder, he said, well, actually, if you hate somebody in your heart, you've already committed murder. And then he said, well, hey, if you look at someone with lust, you've already committed idolatry. Oh my gosh, how many of you are really glad we have grace now? That actually under grace, that kingdom is about heart, not just duty. So actually the standard's higher. So even in the context of giving and we can wrestle around, well, where does tithing fit and how is it? I just want to say that whatever God has in the area of giving and generosity, it's higher than just a measure. That it's a lifestyle that God has for us. And thank the Lord we're under grace. And God is so good. Amen? You know, in scripture, we also see that even Jesus acknowledges tithing. And for me, this is probably the most significant scripture. Um, In Matthew 23, 23, he just says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites, he says, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. But you ignore the most important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. And then he says this, he says, you should tithe, yes. But don't neglect the more important things. He acknowledges tithing just like he acknowledges the things of the law. But he says, guys, it's not about this exact measuring. It's about the attitude and the condition of our hearts. That is what he's looking at. That's why we give back because it positions our hearts. And the pattern of tithing tithing didn't change It doesn't change for us. And it's interesting when you read through the book of Acts and we talk about how the kingdom's extended, what you see is actually the level of giving that happens among the people is incredible. It's exponential. And you see how the kingdom extends because of it. You see people selling properties, taking their possessions and just bringing them before the apostles to see the early church birthed, to see church plants planted. For us, we have planted a church into Edmonton with Russ and Glenn. Two weeks they start. Pray for them. But we're excited. But we as a community have an inheritance because even as we look at this, this is something that we have sown into. It's for the extension of his kingdom. And that's what we see. This is kingdom. This is how we do it. And I can go on about tithing, but I won't go further than that. Just to say that for us, 
when we look at why we do this, it's because giving back to God, it prioritizes our lives and it prioritizes what's important to us. And extending his kingdom should be important to us. Amen? What else do we see? There's two more points and they're quicker than the last two. The next one for us as grateful givers is this, that we prepare in advance to be generous. In 2 Corinthians, that scripture we've been pulling things from, it references this in verse 7. It says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. We decide in our hearts. We're intentional. We pray about it. We hear God and we set it aside to give. Generosity isn't meant to just be this one and done thing. It's something that isn't supposed to just be casual. It's supposed to be something that's a lifestyle for us. When we look at the word and to give you some reference for what do we do here, the scripture as we read, it says that God gives us seed, right? It says, it says we get seed as a, the seed comes for us to do something with. And when we look at it, it says that we're to be stewards and wise managers of this seed. So what do we do with it? Well, we don't just eat it all. You know, if you were a farmer, and I'm sure there's no farmers in the house, there might be, but you don't just eat all your seed. Otherwise, you don't have anything to plant for next year. So there's some things some principles for what we do with seed. The first thing was we return some back to God. We give back to that storehouse. We give back to him. The next thing we do is this point, that we set some aside to give. Intentionally, we set seed aside for the purpose of giving. And there's lots of forms of giving. There's, there's offerings, there's alms, there's grace giving. Um, there's, there's different forms for us. And I don't have the time to unpack them all, but there's lots of ways that God sets us up to give and be generous. The other thing we do is we save some seed for our future so that we have bread in the future to eat. And then what do we do? Well, we have to eat. So we eat some bread, but we eat what we need. We don't just eat whatever we want. If we eat whatever we want, we're never going to save any. So when it comes to resources and money, we eat what we need and we save everything else. That's some principles for what God tells us to do. And in this context of, um, of being prepared in advance to give, I'm going to give you some insight into my life. So Katie and I, um, early days when we got married, we decided that because generosity is a kingdom principle that God wants us to live with, we set a separate bank account up. And every month we intentionally have an automatic transfer that goes into that bank account. And the sole purpose of that bank account is to be generous. And you know what? It's no longer a matter for us looking at well, can we be generous? Should we be generous? It's actually a matter of how can we be generous? And we're looking for opportunities. So when you get to this point, when you're intentional and you prepare in advance, it actually gets fun. Because you set it aside and you're looking and you're listening. God, what are you saying? Where are those opportunities? You know, you might see somebody in the grocery store fumbling through his pockets, looking for change, not quite having enough money. Guess what? There's a great opportunity. You might hear somebody's lost their job or going through a hard time, or maybe they just need to be blessed. Hey, guess what? There's an opportunity for you. God sets us up. I, I just, an example for me of what God does through this, and this is amazing, is that you can't outgive God, hey? 
A, a while ago, Katie and I had the opportunity. Um, we heard somebody that we knew that uh, had a significant vehicle repair that needed to get done. So we kind of sneakily figured out where they were getting the repair done and we paid the bill. And it was more money that we had in that savings account. And that's often the case because when you set money aside and you're looking, you see a lot of opportunity. It's overwhelming. But we really felt like this was something God had said, yeah, do this. So we did, we paid the bill. And you know, it was a difficult, challenging thing for them and they didn't know who it came from. And you know, what's amazing is within two weeks, we had money come in that we weren't expecting that more than covered what we gave. God is good. Don't underestimate what he can do when we trust him with our finances and when we're obedient to what he says. Amen? Be intentional. Set money aside to be generous. God's going to give you opportunities. The last thing is this. Give cheerfully. Remember it says not under compulsion. Guys, don't give under compulsion. Even this morning, this isn't a piece of us pressing on you that we're desperate for resources. No. Guys, this is a matter of us recognizing the significance of what God wants to do through generosity. And it'll change your life. And for us, we do it cheerfully. God loves a grateful giver, right? I think it's so easy for us to just put our heads down and press on in life. We kind of get so busy and caught up in what's happening in our world that we just sort of forget to look out for the benefit of others. But you know, God's created us to look out for the benefit of others. Remember, he's blessed us to be a blessing. In that scripture in 2 Corinthians, it says in verse 6, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. When we're generous, friends, God blesses us. And it doesn't always mean that we give this amount and God matches it or he does better. No, and if we're giving for that motive, you've missed the whole point. God blesses us in many ways in return. And we should give cheerfully because we know of his goodness and we have a heart of gratitude. You know, one of the things that's even more amazing than this, when I look at um, how generosity impacts us, is that God actually designs our bodies to benefit from generosity. You know, those that are brain, um, brain surgeons or, or those that kind of study the neurological things that happen in our brains, they've discovered that for us, for you and I, when we give, that it actually releases endorphins. And it triggers things in our bodies like dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin. All of these things benefit us. Now, I'm not a neurosurgeon. I'm not a doctor. So you should probably go and read at the extensive impact of what happens there. But let's just show you one example. Serotonin for us, it does this. It connects us to sleep, digestion, memory, learning, and appetite. How many of you would love to see that functioning better in your life? <laughs> I'll take sleep. But honestly, God designed our bodies to benefit from being generous. How cool is God? How incredible is this? We should give cheerfully because it's good for you. And how does it end? When we read this in Corinthians, it says, at verse, at verse 11 at the end, it says, And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So here it is. When we set our hearts and minds on God and love pours in, gratitude wells up. And when gratitude wells up, 
we are generous, right? It leads us to that place of generosity. We're happy, we're giving, other people are then receiving. And as they're receiving, what does it say? It says that not only you, the giver, are blessed, but they're blessed. And the result is thanksgiving to God. So when we focus on God, God pours out. It impacts us. It impacts others. And then they focus on God. You see how the loop closes? It's all about him, friends. It's all about making his name known and making him great. And for us, This piece of being grateful givers is about making him known. So can I encourage you with this? Be a grateful giver. Be a grateful giver. And these are the challenges. These are the handles for you as a reminder. Be generous in every way. Give back to God. Prepare in advance to be generous and give cheerfully. Let's be known as a generous church. Amen? Amen. Thank you, church. Wonderful. That's amazing. Great. Thank you, Paul. Now, just as uh, Paul is speaking here, um, just in the context of Congo and Haiti, um, a lot of the things that are done there is through the generosity of you here. And we couldn't do it. And um, the gathering healing training, sending church that we want to be, we actually do it. We have an impact as a church in many nations um, uh, around the world, uh, first and second world nations, but uh, this one in Haiti and Congo, very dear to Deborah and I, um, we wanted to start something in, in, in South Africa. God has placed it on our heart with orphans there too, so we'll have these three projects going. And um, just for you to know, like at this conference we'll do there, there'll be about 600 people there uh, to this conference. Uh, it goes for four days of the time we're doing there. And many of these uh, pastors come from all over Haiti, and um, they actually stay at the venue because they walk there or catch a bus or whatever. And so we feed them while they're there. And so that, that, not me, when I say there's a number of guys from different churches, from Denver, Los Angeles, myself, there's five of us. Got Steve coming from our church uh, too. And um, that comes from the generosity of you. So when we're feeding them, you're feeding them. This is the amazing thing about it. You cannot outgive God and, and we couldn't do what we, we do there. We have a project uh, in Haiti. I was there last year and they feed 600 children one meal a day in the school, and that's basically the only meal. And um, so I was talking to Michelle about uh, Marcel, how, how we could better um, help him, and he mentioned to me that he had uh, been given some land there, uh, a, a couple acres, and so I said, can we look at it? And it's, it's, there's nothing on it, and one of the reasons is that it needs to be fenced because whatever they put on there um, gets legs. And so um, that gave me an eye while there is two things with the orphanage. I said, if we could start farming on that land, we could provide food from Haiti for them. We don't want to just give people fish. We need to teach them how to fish because we never, ever know when those doors close to the Congo or anything. What Johan and his team and Jimmy are doing is equipping them too to be self-sufficient. And so while I was there... um, 
you know, we had some ideas. Um, coming back now, we're going there. And Steve is coming. Steve has, owns a fish farm here, in, inland fish farm. And I thought of the idea, imagine if we could start some little fish ponds and fish farms there, because the biggest, one of the biggest issues there is protein in their diet, a lot of starch and a lot of fuller. And um, myself, we were walking this land, we were praying this land, and I did a little video of it, um, uh, on it, um, what we, we want to do. And so we are wanting to make an impact. It's not, you know, you say don't go somewhere and just say I wish you well <laughs> and then leave them. So we're in partnership with these places and, and so on. And I just want to thank you. Everything we have here, everything we do is from your finances. And, and I just love what Paul said and reminded, we, Deborah and I made a uh, decision when we planted this church that we will never ever know who gives in the life of the church, how much or how little. We want to love everybody the same and actually God is our source and he has always supplied and he is starting to open doors so that we can be a blessing not only in Nanaimo but in the nations uh, of the world. And I feel these three projects, the other two uh, Haiti and that are less um, developed in South Africa, what we do. Uh, if we, I, I believe that we have the capacity to build teams in this church and do all three of those well and bring blessing to God. And so isn't that exciting? It's exciting stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Paul, that was an outstanding preach. Well done. And uh, if the um, worship team could come up uh, for a moment, we've got some time. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, I was just thinking about the Congo and Haiti and that whole thought of the smile of God and so many people. And you might be sewn into other projects that aren't linked to us and all of that. But like I say, when, when we go now, like, as I said, and just to remind you, when I go there, it's going, it's funded through you as the church. Everything we do is that. And when we go to Australia, New Zealand, first or second one, we equip and train people as we do, um, you're going to get an inheritance. We as a church have got a huge footprint. And I'll speak about that when I get back, just to get you excited of what God is doing through us. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, from my heart for what you do. And um, I know God's got a smile on his face too. So if we could please stand and we'll just finish. Um, Paul mentioned um, the greatest giver of all is God. I could give everything, but I could never give my son for anybody. God gave his very best. And, and so let's spend this time um, just thanking God and worshiping for him for a moment. And Father God, we do thank you for your presence, for your love, for your son, Jesus. You are a giver, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, that you've chosen to partner through us or to not only impact the city, but nations that you're opening up. And for a while, Lord, we just want to worship you, Lord God. 